0: Hello, and welcome to the CIO in the Know podcast, where I take a provocative but pragmatic look at the intersection between business and technology. I'm your host, Tim Crawford, a CIO and strategic advisor at AVOA. This week, I'm joined by Brian Ackerman, who is the chief information officer at Corn Ferry and the managing partner for Corn Ferry Advance we discuss how the CIO must stay immersed in technology but also understand the rest of the business. Brian acknowledges that the CIO role is complex but critical to the business beyond just considering IT as a cost center. We discuss the muscle memory that leads to this and how the CIO can ultimately change it. Brian emphasizes that today, someone in the organization will lead technology. The question is, will it be the CIO? Brian Ackerman, welcome to the program. Hey, thanks for having me, Tim. Brian, you're the CIO of Corn Ferry, but you're also the managing partner of Corn Ferry Advance. And I'm looking forward to hearing more about both of your roles at Corn Ferry.
1: Absolutely. It's been a crazy six years at Corn Ferry, but very appropriate for the conversation today.
0: So I think you bring this really unique perspective on the CIO role. And we've had an opportunity to talk a little more about this and how you look at the CIO role. What do you see as some of the issues that are facing CIOs today? Well, I think it's
1: pretty common understanding that technology, because of its ubiquitousness and how it's embedding itself in every aspect of the business, that the CIO has to step up and play a much broader role in the management and the strategy and the execution of the business. I think, though, as part of that, there's this concept that has emerged that somehow CIOs have to transition from being a technologist that's becoming a little bit of a dirty word and become a business leader. And that somehow there is a single-threaded element to this that we're going to wake up one day and stop being technology-focused and be the business. And I understand the point of that, but I would submit that That's the wrong way to think about it. And the analogy I like to use is, you know, if you need medical attention and you're trying to find the best doctors in the world, and typically these folks are the heads of their departments and, you know, the leaders of their hospitals, units, you certainly don't want to walk into that doctor's office for your initial consult and hear, I used to be really technical, but now I'm part of the business. I mean, that's the absolute wrong thing you want to hear when you're looking for the best medical care. So at the core, why would that be different? For the leader of technology in a company, it is admittedly a much harder job to stay technical, to really continue to immerse yourself in technology, and then at the same time develop and play and develop your skills and your understanding of your customer and your understanding of how the rest of the business works and the role that you play there. But that's the ask. I mean, that's really the expectation that you understand how to apply technology, and in order to do that, you have to stay a technologist, to at least a large extent, to the challenges facing your customers, your markets, and your business. It's not as simple as either or.
0: But let me challenge that a little bit, Brian, because that's easier said than done, right? And we've heard this comment in some of the things that you've said for a period of time, yet we're still not seeing that across the masses of the CIOs today they're still struggling with this in mass why is that
1: you're absolutely right and not only does the CIOs struggle with that i think our teams struggle with that and i think there are a lot of elements to it i mean one is just the time the enormous pragmatic tactical demands on our time given the changing role of technology it's not the thing that you can gently contemplate how I learn the rest of the business. So you really do have to force it. But I do, in some ways, think... I hate to sound you know, maybe confrontational about it, but I think it's also a little bit of an excuse. I think it's easier to be the utility player. I'm part of the cost side of the equation and you know, stay in the comfort zone that most of us have been in our entire careers. You know, No one has that first job that's the mini version of the CEO. We all start from, generally speaking, this technical competency. And it is an absolute transition that requires any business leader, but certainly the CIO, to have a big moment where they say, it's okay to step out of my comfort zone. It's okay to change the way I think about my role.
0: So let's unpack that a little bit. You know, how the CIO role compares to how business leaders think. I mean, you're talking about two vastly different personas historically, but kind of what we're talking about is how those two need to come closer together, right? Yes, absolutely.
1: And I'm not at all implying, don't get me wrong, that somehow the CIO role is simple and easy to get your head around and single-dimensional. I mean, we deal with, quite frankly, quite the opposite, just broad differences between governance and infrastructure and applications and security and privacy and all of that stuff. So not minimizing the complexity in any way of the CIO role. But if I contrast it with the traditional business leader, these folks are constantly in a balancing act. New business versus delivery of a backlog, balancing revenue growth with the cost base of the company. How much are you protecting your core business to disrupting yourself on the other side of the scale? Constantly dealing with the impact on your teams and your people versus the pressures of, if you're a public company, the quarterly expectations, or if you're investor back, those expectations, right? So what I think is happening is that as complex as the CIO role is, the alignment is beginning to come along that way. So at the end of the day, the risk management that we play very effectively in the technology space, extending that understanding to business initiatives and then playing a part in the execution of them, not just talking about the technology components of them I'm sorry if you, all you talk about is cost, that's all you're ever going to get an opportunity to influence so unless you can continue that ability to balance all the elements that drive a market or your customers' requirements or a business forward, you're going to find yourself in that box of being the cost person. And that's a very difficult thing to do. Admittedly, no one's job is getting any easier. But at the end of the day, my CEO says, you know, he asks miracles of his leaders of his business every quarter. Corn Ferry is publicly held, so it's that lovely 90-day march. If it isn't different for the CIO, then the CIO is never going to have the same kind of role. And I think that, that starts with a change of how you think.
0: Yeah, you know, there's often this conversation about cost. And if I look at IT as a cost center, and this has been a mantra that I'm sure you and I and many others have heard and maybe even worked in those organizations in the past, where IT is seen as a cost center, I really question whether you can get to cost efficiency or whether it's really a value conversation. meaning. You have to bring some context into that cost, right? You spend a dollar here or a dollar fifty there. Okay, well, what are you getting for that dollar or dollar fifty? It's not just about which is cheaper, because when you think of cost, it's about which is cheaper. But I'm thinking the importance is really about value as it pertains to revenue growth or customer engagement or some of the other business drivers.
1: I think you're right. And I put, 10 exclamation points on that one. So obviously this will vary by industry and certainly IT cost as a percent of revenue or as a percent of the cost base varies. But almost in no scenario, I'm sure there are exceptions, is the IT cost actually the predominant cost, right? It's people, it's often physical facilities, it's the cost of sale, it's the cost of goods sold conversations, right? There are lots of other larger costs in a company other than the IT cost. But somehow... The business leaders are doing exactly what you said constantly. They are saying, in order to achieve a revenue growth of X, I need to have X number of business development, resources in the company, and that operating expense is balanced against the expectation of revenue, right? It is a very natural muscle memory in other cost areas to relate it to the value that's provided to the business or the value that is provided to the customer or the market or the industry, right? So for some reason, that muscle memory of talking about IT costs in the same way isn't nearly as well developed. So another way to think about it is that that's also another role of the CIO is to help develop the business's muscle memory in thinking about the value of IT costs the same way they think about the value of every other cost that goes into the business. And that doesn't mean it's a free ride, obviously. I mean, companies make difficult decisions around... Operating costs every second, but at least getting it to the table that just like every other cost of sale or cost of delivery, technology costs also make a material change to the value you provide or the value the company has. I think that that's actually getting easier to describe. It's much more obvious now than when I was coming up in technology and I was trying to explain why SAP was adding value to the organization. But it's still on the CIO to predominantly lead that discussion. No one else is going to step up into that role. Otherwise, you're in a different situation where you've got somebody co-opting kind of the role that the CIO arguably should be
0: playing. This goes back to a prior episode where we talked about who's going to take the leadership for technology. Is it going to be the CIO or is it going to be someone else and who's going to lead that conversation? So you might be the CIO, but if you don't take the leadership role to lead that conversation, someone else will.
1: So another difference between when uh, I'm old, so when I was coming up and now is, you know, it was perfectly appropriate for a long time for nobody to take that conversation up. The true back office cost, it was someone deep in the organization deciding what that cost should be in a lot of cases. Now, given you know the changes in technology and the role it plays, a company has no choice. Someone in the organization will own the strategic decisions about how technology is used to provide value to their customers. Period, end of sentence. No company can opt out of that anymore. So it puts a kind of a knee of the curve, an inflection point to the CIO sitting in the seat at the time. Exactly, to the point, someone will do this. And this is the moment in time when the individual CIO or technology leader, however you're titled, is going to prove to the leadership of that company that they're the right person. You can't hide anymore. You can't sit in the back office. You have no choice.
0: Yeah. Well, I think it even gets even further exacerbated in the sense that if you go back 10, 20 years, we could hide behind technology because others didn't understand it. I can remember back many moons ago where we would write manuals on telling people how to turn on their computer. Today, you don't have to do that. Today, people understand technology. They understand the fundamentals of technology. And so if you don't lead that conversation, there most definitely is someone somewhere else in the company that is perfectly capable of leading that conversation.
1: Yeah, it's not a black art anymore. It's a lot more. And obviously, I'm generalizing hugely. There are huge areas of emerging technologies that are still black art. But by and large, it isn't impressive anymore. Our story is recording this on Zoom and Corn Ferry just transitioned to Zoom ourselves as a corporate customer. And we've got about 8,000 people using it now. And we did that transition in three weeks. I mean, it was just an enormously successful program without uh, discounting how complicated it was to actually do it, and, you know, 60 countries in three weeks, nobody's impressed. I mean, I got to tell you, nobody is impressed anymore that you can do the basics, right? So again, CIOs, their thinking and the way they project the value is still the way we were doing it, you know, 20 years ago, even though it's still hard and it's still important and you have to value the teams that do it. It's a difficult and subtle conversation to not acknowledge the difficulty of what technology delivery really still is, but that it's table stakes, folks. And to your point, unless you reach out and grab, the window is closing. Somebody else will talk about this. But interestingly enough, in anything but the smallest companies, that's not a single person either, right? A lot of this is how the balance between the technology strategy for your marketing organization with the more early adopters in your company. I mean, even the whole conversation about shadow IT, the self-aware CIO has to change that discussion. At Corn Ferry, we have some very different offerings. Our executive search business is very, very different than the products business. So we have a software company stuck in the middle of Corn Ferry. And our outsourcing businesses, right? They're very different. You have to be able to latch on to what used to be called shadow IT and make it the early guard and get more people into that conversation. It's a difficult challenge and admittedly a difficult challenge to balance all of this. But that's what the other leaders of the business have to do every second. So why can't the CIO do it?
0: Well, it comes back to looking at the organization as an organism, just like the human body. You can't just take one organ out and expect everything else to function by itself. Or without that one organ. And IT is no different from that. Maybe we've been able to get away with it for a long period of time because we've been able to kind of sit in the back office and have this complexity. I can remember many moons ago where people just never came to your building. You went to them every once in a while, but they never came to your building. Now, I couldn't imagine not being in front of not just other players within the organization, but in front of the customer. I mean, it seems like you've gotta be out there. You've gotta be ingrained in what your organization does beyond IT.
1: Yeah. If you are not a CIO, and as I said, it's not just the CIO. If your teams, if your leaders are not spending a non-trivial amount of time in front of your companies and customers, Mm -hmm. you will completely lose any context as to how all the hard work that you do as an organization, as individual what impact it actually has. And if you lose that context, then you're not going to have the credibility in front of the rest of the business to do anything other than what you're doing. So it really does become a self-fulfilling prophecy. The CIOs that, and again, I'm probably over-dramatizing this, but the woe is me, it's always about how much IT costs and Look at how hard my job is. And people don't appreciate how complicated this really is to do. They take it for granted because they have an iPhone. I mean, we've all heard these things. But okay. The Advance is a career coaching service. Our coaches would say, all right, snap out of it. Join the ranks of everybody else that's got really difficult jobs in an increasingly complicated, global, multi-threaded business environment.
0: Yeah. This is where there has to be an appreciation within the CIO and within their own ethos that, yes, you are responsible for a very complicated role, but it's also not just about you. You're delivering an organization. You're talking about how do your lieutenants come in? I used to do this math problem with different teams. And what I would say is, okay, there are this many hours in the day this many days in the week, here's the total amount of time I, as the senior most IT leader, can get in front of customers. Now, let me look at all of my direct reports and do that same math problem. And the reality is your organization is in front of customers far more than you could ever want or hope to be. So how do you start to bring that organization together to have the same set of values and the same kind of integration with the rest of the company with the rest of your customers outside of the company
1: I think that's a great point and actually solves a somewhat different problem that I don't think we talk about enough so we like to talk about the CIO you know having us to the table or not and sometimes it's easy to get it's hard to maintain everybody's got their metaphor but what happens and it certainly happened here at corn Ferry when I Got the opportunity to begin to participate and have the quote unquote seat at the table. what happened was that my already very 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 busy team got three times more busy because the expectations go up, and the change management activity the development activity for the teams is you know again it's a different story we're no longer complaining about just being under huge cost pressure or reducing resources or having to do more with less, all of which kind of stay true under the covers but it's Exhausting Mm -hmm. to constantly have high expectations of the impact technologies on the firm, and that's not just true of the CIO. The IT organization, the technology organizations, have to learn that one of the indicators that technology has the level of prominence that you aspire to in the terms of the impact it has on the company is that it never stops being that busy. It isn't a project that's going to end. It's the next quarter's expectations, and what are you going to do to drive the EBITDA improvement that Wall Street expects this quarter or this month, that seat at the table isn't an easy place to be. I've had some transition out of the organization because not everybody you know is comfortable with that. But that's also part of this that I think a good CIO will proactively manage. And frankly, the best way to do that is getting your teams in front of customers because then they understand the why. Then they see the impact. And when they see the impact, that's a huge moment here.
0: Well, they have an appreciation for it too.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: So I want to kind of transition a bit and talk about a relatively new role that you have at Corn Ferry and talk a little bit about Corn Ferry Advance. Because I think this is an interesting transition for you personally, but also for an example of someone who has served as a successful CIO, but then is now taking on something very different, but interrelated in some ways. Introduce Corn Ferry Advance, but then talk about what your role is and how that integrates with your role as CIO.
1: Absolutely. So, Corn Ferry is about 50 years old and has been in the business of helping people move their careers along since we came to be. But a little bit of the dirty secret is that we've never actually worked for the individual. We always work on behalf of the organization, either the organization that they are working for and doing assessment and development and coaching activities there, or a company will hire Corn Ferry at a certain level of the organization to find people. But we never actually work for the individual. So Corn Fairy Advance, which is now about a year and a half old in the market, was our answer to the question, what if we could take all the great things that Corn Ferry has and all of our intellectual property and our data and what we know about how people perform and what they get paid and how they move in their career and actually make that available to an individual? when they needed it for big problems and small. It was a very interesting problem statement. So a couple of years ago, our CEO is one of his uh, priority projects as a way to continue our organic growth strategy because originally it was envisioned to be a technology pure play. He asked me to help try and get it off the ground. We very quickly discovered what we could do that was different in the world than what is already existing is actually have a lot of technology in it and the offering does but make sure that there are lots of humans in the equation. It's technology to bring a human to another individual when they need help. And so it's become a little bit less of a technology pure play, but it's been tremendously exciting. People you know, really seem to resonate with having access to the skills and capabilities of a company like Corn Ferry to answer not just, I want a new job, but how do I be the best in the job that I'm in? Or even I'm a new leader, as an example, or a new manager, and I have to have my first difficult conversation with an employee. How do I do it? There's no manual for that. What if I could tap somebody on the shoulder, a gym coach, so to speak, for your career, and ask that question, right? So Advance is a very interesting offering that is just exploding. Uh, we're about 18 months in the market, and about 60,000 people are using Corn Fairy Advance today, so it's not bad from zero. And it's been an enormous opportunity for me to start a new business completely different adjacent market, while capitalizing on the, the assets of the larger corn ferry. So we got about a you know, year in, and when it became obvious that we were onto something, that this was something that needed to now scale, because we're going to get pretty close to $2 billion in revenue. So what moves the needle for the company is a decently large number. But as we were transitioning this, and our board and CEO were deciding to, this has merit, and transitioning it into a real business, so to speak. There's a really difficult decision that had to be had. And I'm honored that the firm made the decision it did. They could very well have said, Hey, Brian, thanks for shepherding this along. Great executive sponsor. We're going to go hire a pro to scale it, right? Which would have been disappointing, although I think I probably would have respected the decision. But you know, because I'm pretty focused on staying in front of the customer and personally driving revenue and selling and then delivering and and implementing the technology, all the things we've talked about today. The firm asked me to lead the business permanently. It's what happens, I think, when a CIO demonstrates an ability, and not an aspiration, but an ability to handle all of the complex aspects of the business, not just the technology ones. There's a pot at the end of that. The companies recognize that and give you the roles that really show that ability.
0: That's great. If folks want to know more about Corn Ferry Advance, where would they go for that?
1: KFadvance.com is the best place, or certainly you can see it off of cornferry.com, but we're tremendously excited about Corn Ferry Advance, and we'll expand it dramatically over the coming year.
0: Very cool. So as we wrap on this episode, I have one question. As you kind of look out and you think about your role today, both as leading Corn Ferry Advance, but then also as CIO for Corn Ferry, What excites you most about the CIO and where it's going and where you're headed?
1: What has always been a unique aspect of this role is the fact that, by definition, it's all-inclusive. You have a role that demands that you understand how everything in your business works, how its processes are designed and operated, efficient and non-efficient. You have an obligation to understand how the big picture actually operates. And it is an incredibly challenging role. We've talked about you know some of the challenges of it. But to me, it's also... I can't think of too many other roles in a company that have the opportunity to make the impact that the CIO role has. It is absolutely exciting. And we're not in a position to have to defend our job anymore. Everybody gets it intellectually The technology is a huge part of a company's ability to grow and deliver value. Most companies are just desperate for that individual to lead that discussion, right? So it is an incredibly exciting moment in time, a terrifying moment in time in some cases, uh, but that's okay. I did an internal podcast that said, if you don't have something in the pit of your stomach, then you're not pushing yourself hard enough. And so if you're a CIO with an incredible pit in your stomach about the role that you can play and the obligations of it, Turn that pit into an incredible excitement and, you know, trust yourself. We've been saying it's an incredibly exciting time to be in technology for years. But I do think we're at an inflection point where there's never been more acceptance of the role technology can play, never been more difficulty in doing it well. And if that's what excites you, it certainly excites me, the opportunities. For a CIO to really move the needle in ways that they would never have designed, and frankly, we were never trained to do, has never been greater. I hope we can tell from my tone of my voice; it's incredibly exciting.
0: Yeah, you don't seem very excited,
1: <laughs> but it's true, and yeah, you know, it really is true.
0: Yeah, definitely, best time to be a CIO, no question. Ryan, we're going to have to leave it right there really appreciate the time today. I always enjoy our conversations, learning something new from you, especially with Corn Fairy Advance. Really looking forward to seeing how that progresses. Love to have you back on the program for a future episode too.
1: Would love to. Thanks for having me
0: today. It's been great. Thanks, Brian. For more information on the CIO In The Know podcast series, visit us online at cioitk.com or you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Don't forget to subscribe and thank you for listening.